Well, hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Monday Main Point. It is Monday, July the 12th, 2021, here at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church. Um, I am Associate Pastor here, uh, Jonathan Hendrickson, and I am joined with all, all the pastors are back around the table. It's good to see everyone back. Um, Jeremiah's here, Blake's here, Jeff's here, um, and we're excited to be here uh, to discuss uh, the Sunday sermon and uh, in, in dig a little bit deeper into it and talk about some insights that maybe we didn't get into in, in, in the message yesterday and uh, just overall have a good time. So we're going to get settled in here and talk about this past week's message. And the, uh, I actually, Jeff was on vacation, so um, uh, he's back now. Uh, from that tropical paradise that he went to, uh, <laughs> he's back and uh, uh, and I. But while he was gone, uh, I had the privilege of preaching yesterday, and so I uh, went to Psalm 25, um, a psalm that I hadn't read in a while, um, and uh, the I read Jeff's blog for the month, or I read your blog, Jeff, and saw that it was going to be on discernment, and we're looking at sort of discernment, oh, we're memorizing that verse from Philippians, and I've got it here, it's Philippians, what, 1, 9? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Philippians 1, 9, um, where, it, where it says, uh, in this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. And then I really actually like that quote that was on that, that C.H. Spurgeon quote that you mm-hmm. put, and I actually put that image up this past week, but it says, discernment is not simply a matter of telling the difference between what is right and wrong, Rather, it's the difference between right and almost right. I really like that quote. Um, so I, I got to thinking, okay, well, um, where can I go for, for a passage on discernment? And I landed on Psalm 25. And uh, I think that there are at least, uh, that psalm sort of broken up into five units. And three of those units are all about finding the right path, finding the right, making, you know, God show us, show us your way, show us your truth, guide us in your ways. And um, over and over again, David says this is a Davidic psalm. And so um, I, I titled it uh, The Answer Key to the Maze of Life and try to draw out an analogy between um, uh, being uh, being in a maze. Um, if you've ever been in one of those garden mazes, I don't know if you've ever done that, guys, but mm-hmm. I've, I've done one of those before. Um, and then I've been in one of those just funhouse mazes with those mirrors and stuff. And um, and then uh, Will's Amusement Park used to have a maze that you go, go through too. But you get the idea. And when you're in a maze, it's different than being outside of a maze. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And I talked about that. The difference is in perspective, obviously, right? Because when you're outside, you can see all the twists and turns. You know what the right, you can discern out the right path fairly easily. But if you're in the maze, unless you just are one of these savants who can remember where you were and everything, most of the time, people who are inside the maze, it's much easier to get lost and feel confused and depressed and all those kinds of things. And so I, kind of try to draw the analogy to our lives because I think our lives are a lot like that too. And um, one of the things I mentioned uh, from the get-go is just sort of the context of the psalm. David talks about, he says, look, and he says, he's talking to God. This is a prayer to God. The whole thing is, he says, turn to me and be gracious to me for I am alone and afflicted. The distresses of my heart increase. Bring me out of my sufferings. Consider my affliction and trouble and take away all my sins. Consider my enemies. They are numerous and they hate me violently. And man, I read that and I thought, 
doesn't that describe where we are right now? <laughs> I'm like, like, you know, coming out of, of, you know, we've talked a lot in here about COVID and its effects and what that lockdown did. And, and Jeff, I mean, we, you and I have discussed it. I think there are effects from the lockdown that we're going to be feeling for a little while. Like it's repercussions, like ripple effect. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Especially like, um, I believe especially with, with children that missed the whole year of school. And mm-hmm. Even though they had the online and all that, it wasn't the same as what they were used to. Their connections, their communities, all their friends, uh, and the whole rhythm that they were in. Uh, and then you come back and maybe you're behind or you're not caught up and maybe some kids will be held back by their parents. There's a big debate about that. Um, so it's going to take a lot of adjustment and just trying to figure things out again. You know, uh, like like uh, we're basketball team followers and all. And during that season, a lot of the uh, coaches were talking about if they asked their kid to – to go to the library or go to the meet us at the cafeteria, they wouldn't even know where it's at because they were in this little bubble where they had to yeah. stay in a certain place. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that if you think about life as the same way, I mean, people are now getting used to being out again. And then some people are, I think, still maybe trapped in a corner of a maze. And they, maybe they're afraid to venture out even farther. And so there's a lot, a lot of that you can, you can play into uh, with us coming out of this pandemic right now. Yeah, absolutely. And then you consider, too, what David says, you know, um, consider my enemies. They're numerous. They hate me violently. Jeremiah, we, um, we've talked about this a little bit last week when we were talking about a better country and all, but I mean, we just, we, it seems like even, in, even within our own convention, there's just division everywhere. You know what I'm saying? It feels like, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just, again, bad perspective, but it seems to me like there's less unity and more disunity right now. Yeah, I mean, there's COVID, right? But then you forget, well, we don't forget, but man, that political climate that we just went through too, like, just, it's just so bad. And I think we're still seeing repercussions from that because whether we like it or not, this, the pandemic became super political too, even after the election. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, I mean, division everywhere. And it feels like people on the other side of the fence are your enemies. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see it for sure. And I'm like, I know you just got back from um, from from kids camp and hanging out with children for a weekend, which yep. is pretty awesome. Oh yeah. Um, you know, things that Jeff was talking about. Did any of the kids? You get any any notion from the kids that they've had a rough year too? I mean, that they like what he was talking about. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Because we were um, we had kind of like a kind of like a small group discussion just with our church after the worship service after our first night. And I just asked the kids like what, what what their thoughts were. You know, a lot of a lot of them. This was their first time really ever being away from home without like mm-hmm. a parent or a relative or anything like that. And a lot of kids, uh, one in particular, was just saying how grateful she was that uh, uh, we put on camp because like with COVID, she hadn't been able to come to church in a while, and how she was really thankful that. Um, like I took her to camp. And I'm like, and I'm like pointing towards the center kid. Uh, worker I'm like thank her you know we just came (laughs) you know um but it was so it was almost like a like a weight's lifted off their shoulders for them to be back in church be back doing church activities and it's been hard I know of a lot of kids who have kind of really struggled with like mental health things too right and that's really put a damper like the um school psychologists have definitely been they've been overloaded a lot with uh 
the work that they've had to do right. with how many kids who have struggled and it's a uh, especially with kids it's been uh it's been tough but uh the lord the lord was doing a lot of great things this weekend that's awesome yeah you know i um i, I so just even from from the youngest to the oldest i think everybody can relate to this idea and even outside of COVID, even if it wasn't COVID time, we all deal with sufferings. We all deal with distresses. We all deal with those moments where we're faced with difficult choices and such. And, and you know, when you're in the maze, when you feel like you're in life's maze, you don't know which way to go. And you're in that moment where you don't feel like, well, I don't even know which way is up, right? Then, then there's so many different places that people will turn. And, and most of the time, the first response is not to God. I mean, it just isn't. Uh, even among, even among, I would say even among Christians, that's the case. And so we know if it's not the if it's not the case with Christians, then it's probably not the case with non Christians as well. Yeah. And yet there is this notion, and I think Jeff, you brought this up in a message that you preached during during COVID that more people were googling like, how do I pray mm-hmm. um, during the COVID, during lockdown and stuff when everything was sort of taken away from us. They were like, how do I pray? How do I get into? How do I get a relationship with God? Those kinds of things, and so I think people. I don't know. Do you guys think that 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 every human has this notion that that there is someone who has the answer? Like I'm stuck in this maze. I'm trying to put myself in the like in the mindset of somebody who is not a Christian, doesn't doesn't have any contact with the church at all. They're dealing with the same kind of stuff we just talked about, right? They're alone. They feel afflicted. They deal with sufferings and fear and confusion, enemies, all that stuff. Do you think that that they believe that there is someone who has an answer for how to navigate all this, or do they, or 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 is that something that we just know instinctively that that God has put in us, or or is that something that that some people just don't even know that there is an answer? Well, I think it goes back to that quote. That you made, I think you attributed to Augustine, where we all have a vacuum or a yeah. God-sized hole in our heart. <laughs> I might be wrong about that, by the way. Yeah. I think it was Augustine that said it. But I'm it not was sure. somebody. Yeah, it was somebody. Patristic <laughs> father. And I was going to Google. I was going to Google it, but I'm like, but anyway. So, so yeah, that vacuum, that void, uh, it's there. So whether I'm a Christian or a non-Christian, believer, unbeliever atheist agnostic whatever there's a boy there's something that's missing and we try to fill it with whatever it may be maybe it may be knowledge or relationships so as we go through this maze we recognize the fact that we can't really do it alone we've got to have some some way some 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 truth or something to guide us and so then it's a matter of where do you turn then to find that way that truth yeah, and I brought him up last week. Um, I, in a lot of ways, I, I feel like that's what Solomon's trying to tell us in Ecclesiastes, where he's like, look, I filled that hole in my heart with this, and I filled my hole in, in my heart with this, and I filled that hole in my heart with this, and it didn't pan out. Like, it, it just left me empty. And part of me is encouraged, right? Because I think our country had, well, just in general, our country has, they they they're trusting in things that I think in a lot of ways fell apart during the pandemic, mm. which leads to different directions, right? It leads some to depression and a lack of hope, but it leads others to maybe seeking out answers, a better answer. Cause like 
a lot of people trust in science, right? And, and I, I try to follow science, and I think it, it can be helpful. But during the pandemic, you're hearing one of our lead scientists in the world, Dr. Fauci, and it just seems like he, he seems to have information, but he also seems to contradict his information over, mm. over a period of time. And they would say one thing, and then it would contradict a couple of weeks later. And, and I think in general, people are like, man, they don't, they don't know what's going on. Like, they yeah. don't have all the answers. Yeah. Maybe I need to find, and I do, I do think people are seeking. Either they're seeking or they're just lack of hope. Yeah. Which is scary, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, yeah, and and I think what people realize that, that I think some people think that medicine as a whole is some sort of exact science, and it's just not. No. There is no, and, and that's why you had so much contradiction and stuff. It just they they, they, they there is no like they don't have absolute answers. The way science works is it says, okay, here's a hypothesis. Now let's check that out. Okay, well, we think this now. We're going to continue to check this hypothesis until, oh, wait a second, nope, that's not true, you know, so now we got to adjust our hypothesis. And so science is, is all about con a continuing involvement of, of knowledge and continue to critique and critique and critique, try to find the answer. But medicine's not exact, and it's just we're dealing, and we were dealing with a whole different ball of wax we hadn't even looked at before. But your point still stands. The idea is, is that people... I had Francis Schaeffer who said something like oh, no. that, like the house is divided into, in, in, like think of a he talked about a, a two-story house, like in one, one, one part of the house we think of like science and math and the things that we would attribute as, as things that we know, right? These are things that we can know for hi history and those kinds of things. Those are the things we know. Those are objective. And then there's the subjective realm of the house. and. What a lot of people want to do is they want to put science and math and those things in the objective. And then they take matters of faith and God, theism, theology, all that is in the subjective part. But if, if theology is true, then it's objectively true. And, and so that's, that's, where the, that's where the disconnect happens. And, and what you're talking about is exactly it. People think, okay, well, faith is something that's just an opinion-based thing. It's just something that's like my opinion. I think it's the right thing to do. Um, but if it's objectively true that there is a God, objectively true that He is the one answer to the He is the one answer key to the maze, then it holds just as much authority and maybe more so authority than science and math does because God would have been the one to even institute the laws of science and math. You know, you know what I'm saying? But we live in a world that's div that's divided those two things out, and and I think that's where that sort of conflict comes from why people turn to other things instead of just turning to faith. By the way, um, St. Augustine said, this is the quote, humanity's innate desire for the infinite. But there is that sort of idea. It is it is attributed. The idea of the God-shaped toll is attributed to Augustine. So, all right, I was kind of right about that. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, uh, that. I'm not saying that to pat my own back. I'm saying that to breathe a sigh of relief that I didn't give a quote to somebody who didn't, who it didn't, uh, should have been attributed to. Okay, so anyway, um, yeah. So David, David though makes no, he he, he uh, um, uh, doesn't hesitate. He says at the very beginning of his prayer, Lord, I turn to you, my God, I trust in you. So. This prayer is going to be a prayer from someone who says, 
I'm not trusting in science. I'm not trusting in math. I'm not trusting in the observable things of the world. I am trusting in the um, supreme invisible creator and sustainer of the universe. That's who I'm going to trust in. And the rest of this psalm then really is him saying why he trusts in him, right? Why am I going to trust in him? Why, why do I, you know, what, is it, what does it mean to say that God is the answer? And so the first thing I pointed out was that there's only one answer key. Um, and I, I, didn't, I didn't count them. I'll count them this time. I'll, I'll just read through this. But note how many times that David says your in, 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 these, in these verses. Or you. Your or you. Okay. Make your ways known to me, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. I wait for you all day long. Remember, Lord, your compassion and your faithful love, for they have existed from antiquity. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my acts of rebellion. In keeping with your faithful love, remember me because of your goodness, Lord. I got nine. I got nine. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, I out of fingers. We would have yeah, been real yeah. trouble. <laughs> <laughs> we just start using your toes, right? But like the so so this is that this is the second sort of I, you want to call it second unit of, of that psalm, and it just stood out to me as I'm I, I'm going through the the psalm. I'm just kind of highlighting, and I noticed oh okay here's a your ways oh, oh here's a your paths here's a oh my goodness there's your truth your truth you know and he's he, so that's important right yeah, the, the only thing he attributed to himself was his sins and his transgressions <laughs> yeah that's everything right everything else was God you're this 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 and this and I'm oh what was me I'm this sinner that's yep. a good observation yeah yeah that's it like everything everything else is God right and, and all I am is just this exactly these acts of transgression and, and he says so he's saying you know he says, make, there's, there's some important verbiage here too. So he says, make your ways known. So make known. He says, teach. And he says, God. And I kind of, I took those things as three different ideas. Um, um, they're really the same sort of notion though. Um, but to uncover your ways, right, or to make your ways known, or just to reveal to us um, what, what your way is to begin with, right? We, you know, make your ways known, and, and he has done that. God has done that for all humanity. We've we've got His Word, which we believe is His is. Plus, we have Jesus Christ, who was the way. I mean, like literally, was God revealed to man in the flesh, and then teach me your past, because it's not enough to. Um, we can, like I said, <laughs> I think I said you can have a map and still get lost, yes. right? You can have well, them yeah. and still get lost. Yeah, go ahead. So I, I really like point two here, but I think you kind of set up point two really well in your intro when you talked about perspective. Mm. And so I remember, uh, I'll just use wheels, because I, I think we, we've been to wheels, and there's a maze you could run through in wheels. And at wheels, um, there's a tower. Mm-hmm. There, there's a tower that you can send your friend up to, and then your friend can tell you, Hey, you need to go left. Hey, you need to go this way. Hey, you're you're running the wrong way. And and what that shows you is that they have the higher, the better perspective, and they're able to see the whole thing. And we actually get that a little bit with 
uh, Jonathan's kids talk because everyone in the crowd was like, "You idiot, Jonathan! You should be going this way!" Like, because we had right, like the, pers- I mean, you had the perspective too, but we had this outside view. We could, we already in our brains had had figured out the solution. But I think practically speaking, um, when we think of a maze, right, we think of like this two D image on paper. But I think for the sermon, the better image is the three D. Um, because what ends up happening is because you only get like in a 3D maze, you only get your little corner yeah. and you get stuck in your little corner and all you can all you can feel and all you can see is that wall. But your friends up here are like, no, bro, you just go around that wall and you're you're right <laughs> out. Like you yeah. could be right next to the, the answer right. or whatever, but you just you can't see it because yeah. you don't have right perspective. And I think uh, is is in point two where you quoted your ways are not my ways mm-hmm. and your way yeah so that's the yeah yeah that's in that that's in the well it's in verse four but also you quoted uh Je- not Jeremiah I yeah no it's out it's it's out yeah it's the Isaiah quote and it's in yeah. this it is in the second point was in um, Isaiah fifty five eight through nine yeah. for my thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways are not my ways. It is in the second point the idea that the humble will see the way out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in his first in his first unit, I, I think my main point was to just show that David is saying there really is only in 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 the in the analogy, right? That you just mentioned you've got yes. friends who can be up there. Do you the trust tower. your friend to tell you? Yeah. The truth. <laughs> Do you trust your friend to tell you the truth? Do you trust your friend who's also in the maze? See, that's a thing. Like yeah. in in our in in life. There, we're all just stuck in the same maze. We, it's not like one person's got an elevated view of things. One person can't elevate themselves above everybody else and go, hey, man, I see the way out of your problems. But we do have one and only one who has that full perspective, and that's God. And, and I, I, that's, that's, the, that's the same thing I was trying to bring out is that God is the one who has the... The, the bird's eye perspective and knows how to navigate knows how to tell us how to get through this thing when you know the interesting thing too when the Christians the early Christians even Paul when he was persecuting the church it was people of the way that right. was their nickname that, that they have found this way and this way was through Jesus who is the way mm-hmm. and so so they were living um and still, they didn't have the, the, the overview perspective, but they right. were trusting by faith that, you know, we're going to follow him because he's going to take us where we need to be, mm-hmm. you know, kingdom come. Right. And so, um, you know, it's it's interesting that, that, um, that, that which leads into your second point, and you have to be humble enough to trust him that he is the way. Yeah. And that he is the person. He's not only in the maze with us, but he knows the way out of the maze. And so often we just get stuck um, or we want to try to get beyond where we need to be. We're thinking about the end when we next need to think about what, what the next step is in front of us and what the next turn may be. And so that's the way, you know, the Bible is and, and Scripture and the Holy Spirit. It's not necessarily he's going to give me the long run view. He's going to give me the next two or three steps. Yeah, I love and that's the, the That's the thing that takes the waiting the and the bit the patience and the humbleness of time. Yeah, and, and I love that. Um, I heard some guy say, it, it opened my eyes and stuck with me, um, that in their church they, they preach and, and teach um, that sort of next step mentality. Because so many people, Blake, and I mean, you're in seminary, you see this. So many people, man, get so caught up in exactly what Jeff was talking about. I got to know 
the whole path through the maze from beginning to end. And God, I want you to show me right now, like, who I'm going to walk this maze with, right? <laughs> who, who am I getting married to? Yeah. Am I going to have kids in this maze? Um, where am I? What, is Africa part of the maze? Is Africa part of the maze? <laughs> um, the, you know, all, all those things. And, you know, they want to know the whole story. And really, you're absolutely right. What this church was teaching is, Man, you get so caught up in the whole story that you miss out on what's really important, which is the next step. God, what is the very next step I need to take? What's the next thing I do? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a great point because um, God will work through all that, and he'll definitely use your obedience to do it, but you have to be faithful enough to take that next step. So, like, like, I mean, I have no idea if I'm going to find my wife at seminary or not. You know, But if I do... <laughs> You know, I was faithful to come to seminary, and through that, through being faithful, you know, I might find my wife there. If that's the Lord's will, I don't know. It ain't looking promising right now, but we'll we'll see. <laughs> but 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 yeah, you do have to take that next step. You do have to take that next step, and I think that's a really great perspective. If you want to find a wife, don't go to seminary that's to find right. a wife. Yeah, you might find a pastor friend. Yeah, a missionary. But yeah, yeah. well, I, you know, but but I do. I think sometimes, man, I think that people get so caught up on trying to figure out what the big perspective. What it the is. whole path is yeah. that it limits them from even being yeah. able to do stuff in the here and now. Yeah, and that's what you have to do, like in a maze or like in an escape room kind of thing. You have to go to that. You just have to do one step at a time, and one step, you know, is the key to getting to the next step. Then that step's the key to getting into that. Next yeah, step. I, I, escape room is a good analogy yeah. too, right? Because if you go to the if you go to the door and then you get that keypad, you know, that you right. got to put the right numbers in. Yeah. You can sit there and jam on numbers yeah. all day you and never get out. But because there's a there's a there's a set path that you're supposed to follow that will reveal those numbers to you in time. Right. right? And I'll be honest, when we went to a, an escape room, I've never escaped before, so I had enough discernment to bring Jonathan in <laughs> and we escaped. So I thought that was a great illustration. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and and one other thing about the perspective of uh like, like a lot of people are so caught up in the end times and yeah. all these theories about what's going to take place and rapture and all this other stuff that, that they're so focused on that mm. and they're caught up in that that they're, they're missing the whole... Like that, yeah, that's going to be the end. You know, at the end of the maze, if that's the end times or whatever, that's going to happen. But they get so caught up in that that they can't even take the next step yeah. In life, and 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 they're all about that, and they're not really focused on trying to reach people because there's work to do here too. Yeah, exactly. And there's there's work to do, and you know, another another way of looking at that too is that some people are so like, well, you know, I've been I feel like I've been called uh, to to missions, you know, and so I'm just waiting for God to tell me where to go so I can start so I can start that work. Yeah. Well, bro, you got a backyard, you know. Yeah. Start <laughs> like, right now. Start yeah. start there. How about how about you start like with the people that are that are right here in your own circle before you you know there's nothing to prevent you from ministering to them too. Like you've got a city that you're living in right now. And you know, I and I like you said I. I run into a lot of that with a lot of freshman guys. I disciple a group of freshman guys every year who come in. And, you know, they, they're they all like a big, you know, like big playing focused. And I'm like, 
dude, you're not even a member of a local church yet. <laughs> like, quit worrying about, <laughs> quit, quit worrying about, uh, you know, what the Lord's going to have for you. You know, if you're not even in a, if you're not even a member of a local church yet, you know. Yeah. yeah so you got to be faithful and smile, and then you know you can be faithful in the. Yeah, the you you can get too in goal focused. You can. I think, and 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 along those lines, um, well, we'll we'll get into that in a second. I want I want to go back to this idea of the 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 humble well we'll see the way out and, and actually this and the first point that there's only one answer key kind of tie well together but um one of the things that stood out to me in this as i was reading it was this idea of the where david says it's in verse um yeah it's in verse 10 where david says all the lord's ways show faithful love and truth to those who keep his covenant and decrees and he says because of your name yahweh forgive my sin for it's great but I, I want to go to that verse 10. All the Lord's ways show faithful love and truth to those who keep his covenant and decrees. And I think people would look at that and say, okay, well, um, all I really need to do is keep his covenant and decrees. And they're looking at things like the old covenant, right? The Ten Commandments. All I gotta do is keep the Ten Commandments and I'm, I'm good. I'm going to, you know, I'll find my way out of the maze. I just got to do what God says. Just got to do what the, what the Bible says. But I think... What we discover is is that Jeremiah, we we can't do verse ten. Like I I don't think it's possible to keep God's to to keep His covenant and His decrees. At least not the old covenant, but maybe the new covenant that we have in Jesus Christ. That's I think that, that and that's the point I was trying to make. I think it, yeah. you know this is where it got a little gospel centric, but you know I think it's important. Well, you were I mean you were gospel centric in point one too, but yeah um, yeah I mean just look at verse eleven. It's like, for your name's sake, Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. And it's like, so which one is it? Do I keep the laws, or is it is it God and His initiative that that pardons mm. my guilt, that forgives my sin? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it because of His goodness, or is it because of my goodness? Yeah. Um, and clearly, from Psalm twenty-five, I mean, there's an old. This is an Old Testament. The book about how it's it's not about you. It's not about your path or your way uh, to get to heaven, but all about God's goodness, God's mercy, God's steadfast love, His His covenant love. And to keep that uh, like the old kind of like that old covenant perspective, you know, there were what like six hundred thirteen laws for people to follow yeah, in the Old right. Testament. Well, Jesus, you know, the Ten Commandments might can narrow those down to ten. Jesus narrows it pretty much down to two, love God and love your neighbor as yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and we don't even follow two. Yeah, that's, a, well. that's that's really true. And, you know, we didn't keep 613, we didn't really keep 10, and we don't keep two. So I think what David's getting at and what Jesus is getting at in the New Testament is kind of like what Jeremiah said. It is all about God's goodness, you know, that he would even pursue us even in our rebellion. Yeah. That we couldn't even follow really two laws. <laughs> yeah, but he's still good, and he still wanted he still wanted us. So I think we're um, some of the. I mean, obviously the the, the first two units, um, like you said, are more gospel centric, and then the third unit, while it still it still centers on the gospel, because I think um, it, it, it talks about success and talks about the goal and all that kind of stuff. I think this might be where we get a little bit more into the sort of the practical application for say. Um, someone who's already put their faith in, in Jesus Christ, someone who has um, trusted him as their savior. Because 
this is the one where I said that the, the, the trusting will find the goal. Um, and, or I could have said it maybe the trusting will find success. Um, uh, because I think while this doesn't, this particular set of verses 12 through 15 doesn't use the word trust. Um, he does use the word trust in the very beginning of the prayer. And I think where he says, who is the man who fears the Lord? He will show him the way he should choose. And I spent some time on this, but I was kind of running out of time, so I'll talk about it here. But I think there's a lot that needs to be said and a lot that can be said about fearing the Lord. What does that mean? What does it mean to fear the Lord? Like, because this is the person, the person who fears the Lord, he says, David says, is going to live a good life and his descendants will inherit the land. Okay, well, that's important, right? Um, and God's going to reveal his covenant to them. The secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him. God's going to reveal his covenant to them. And I didn't get into verse 15 because I ran out of time, but also he'll pull their feet out of the net. He'll pull their feet out of the snare. Okay, so all these benefits, right? We see all these benefits in these, these four verses, but they all depend on the person fearing the Lord. So that's important. Guys, what does it mean to fear the Lord? Mm. Well, I kind of it kind of dovetails with the other point too, because um, the, the the emphasis on being humble. If I was trying to fulfill the law, then I may be prideful about that, so I'm not really humble. So, uh, to be humble means you have to admit you're lost. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so to fear the Lord then is to have this. Uh, it's reverential fear. It's all. It's to to know that he is God. He's above us. He's, but he's also with us. Um, so that so that you know that that um, you've got to be extremely honest with him. I think we we talked about that on a sermon not too long ago about you know coming before mm-hmm. the throne of grace with boldness. And all. the only way you can do that if you have a legitimate fear of God and who He is. Yeah. Not yeah. in the sense that I'm. Afraid he's going to zap me. Yeah, but so in the, a sense of, you know, I should be as humble as I can, and I should be as worshipful as I can. I should, I should, and I should be as obedient and as submissive as I can because he's God. Kind of, kind of. That's that's, that's the way. I don't know if I'm doing a good job explaining it, but that's kind of what I'm thinking and sensing that right. he means by this. Right. I think some people, um, Jeremiah, like here, fear the Lord, and they think automatically what you said there a yeah. minute ago that. I gotta be afraid of him. I need to be afraid that he's going to zap me at any moment with his God zapper, right? And he's just gonna um, um, destroy my life. And so only the person who is scared to death of God is gonna be successful. But I don't necessarily, I, I agree. I don't think that's necessarily it. What I, I'm sure you thought some on, on fearing the Lord. What, what are your takes on it? Yeah, so I think it is though intrinsically tied to our sin. In other words, if we're sinless, there there is there's no need for the fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Let me explain. So, do I think because of our sin, sin we should be scared of God? No, should we fear God or run from God? But no, if you have the correct correct godly understanding of what sin is and what the consequences of those sin sins are, you realize Oh no! Like, like, the the God has been so good to me, but I have, I have been so bad to Him, or I I have I have broken His laws and broken 
so broken relationship. So how do I how do I figure that out? Um, and so the real and appropriate response is to humble yourself before Him. Mm-hmm. And so I think humbling and fearing Him are, are are tied. But you don't humble yourself because you're scared of Him. You humble yourself because you understand the brevity of your sin, the the consequences, and the. Mm. Uh, that th- those aren't those aren't things that God caused you to do or God made you do that, and uh, it's it all goes back. You know, He's the good Father. You don't. Uh, you, I have kids, right, and I don't want them when they sin or to disobey me to run away from me. I I want to embrace them and show them, look, I have a better plan for you. I have a better path for you. I I want what's best for you, but because of our sin. The innate thing we want to do is run. We want to run from the one we've wronged, and that's that's the wrong kind of fear. The right kind of fear or respect or awe is to run to him and say, "How how can how can we make this right?" Yeah, and how how sort of counterintuitive is that when like we think of fear? You know, I, I think of scary movies and stuff. You don't run towards the villain, right? Yeah. You don't no, run towards you don't. <laughs> But like you're, you like watching scary movies. You don't run towards the bad guy. You don't run towards the serial killer. Hey, uh, you want to get out? Yeah, you run yeah. the opposite direction. Yeah. But I think I think I think there, in that there's 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 something that we we need to grasp onto. I, 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 go ahead. Yeah. So like what you were saying, like yeah, you don't like if Michael Myers is chasing you, like you definitely run the other way. Like nobody in the right mind runs. Not our it. deacon chairman, by the yeah. way. <laughs> Our deacon is named Mike Myers. <laughs> Mike Myers. But, uh, yeah, and that's just like the natural thing. I mean, that is, this is probably a good thing to run. But, you know, we put that connotation, like if like God's bad, like he's going to chase after us and like like try to just, uh, what are, what's the words I'm looking for? Like deliver a knockout punch or right, something. Right, yeah. And that's not what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. That's not what he wants to do. Like he's good. He is just. Yeah, he is just. And see, Blake, I think that's yeah. the key, right? I think that that fear comes. I think you're right. It is tied to yeah. our sin. Mm-hmm. And and while we are to, to run towards Him, I think part of a healthy fear of the Lord is understanding that He's just, that He is just and has. And yeah. so, if He is just, then we have to answer for our wrongs. Right, and that's a yeah, and that's a part that we have to mention in the gospel. Because if we don't mention that He's just, then it's not really we're not really preaching like a full gospel, you know, because. Mm-hmm. You know, he is just. He has to punish sin. Right. But he chose to punish his own son instead of us. He yeah. doesn't want to punish us. And I love how Jeremiah once said, it's either you can pay for your sins or Jesus, you can let Jesus pay for your sins. Mm. But, yeah. like, justice has to happen. Right. Because that's in God's nature, therefore it has to happen. And and we want it to. And we want it to. And but the thing is, we want other people not to have to face God's wrath. His, you know, mm-hmm. we want to partake in God's justice when it comes to Jesus, right? And partake of what He did for us on the cross. So just sort of taking what all three of you guys have said, then fearing the Lord is having a proper perspective of who God is, yes. right? Having a proper perspective of our own sin, and then also understanding that our sin has to be judged, but then trusting that God will be good and will. Um, will will provide and has provided a way for us to receive forgiveness because in the sense that he is perfectly just he is also 
David said it. He's forgiving. He's loving. He's faithful. Forever faithful. And, and if I'm not mistaken, and I think it's in First John, it even says he's faithful and just to forgive. Yeah. Um, and so it's like he's faithful and just, and you bring that in, it's like he wants to forgive. Yeah. And it's just you, you do see the goodness of God throughout it. So, so then who is the man, all right, so who is the man, woman, child, right, who fears the Lord? What would we say? Who is the one who fears the Lord? Well, right after this, said that uh, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show him, them his covenant, which you brought up, the mystery of the gospel that Paul, yeah. that's why he describes it, is that, that, yes, even though we are sinners, even though we do deserve punishment and death and hell and all those things, um, we can come to a God that, that forgives and loves, and even though we deserve all that, he's going to provide a way. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, when I was a kid, I knew I was going to get a whooping. So, and my mom was the whooper. And so I would just go get my punishment. And I'd had a fear about that. But then my dad, he was he was not the punisher in the way he would sit down and talk to you. So I had, it was like a double whammy. Mm. So mom beats you, whoops you, you get over it. Then dad comes home eventually, and then you got to sit down and talk to him about everything that happened and why you went through it. And you're like, dude, just whoop me. And I think, but you know, he was really doing the, the, the thing. I mean, God really wants to sit down with us and, you know, come let us reason together, is what Isaiah says. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've created this covenant and I'm giving you this, this new heart and this new way, and I've adopted you to my family. So he is like a, a, a parent figure, a God figure, father figure. That yes, I, if I deserve punishment, I'm going to approach him maybe a little bit of fear, but understanding, knowing too that uh, even at the end of the punishment, whatever it may be, it, I think the Hebrew says that you know God uh, chastises That's, those that are his, yeah, his own. We should yeah. expect that as as followers of God, but but like Jeremiah was saying, he's not going to go punish Malachi just for the heck of punishing him. Right, he's trying right. to show him this is a better way. Yeah, and um, and so we've got to look at God as the same way that He's still trying to get us back on that path, so that we can continue to follow Him, continue to be humble, continue to to, to lead others to to this pathway as well. Right. So, would you guys going back to the, the taking that in consideration, and going back to the question I was asking, is the one who fears the Lord, um, is is that the person who trusts in Christ? Is that the answer? Yeah. Yeah. I like, or the yeah. one. Yeah. I mean. The one who trusts in Christ, or the one who runs to Him instead of running away from Him. Yes. Right. So that person. So then, the, then the rest of these benefits that are listed here, the the success that that's listed is for is reserved for the Christian. Is reserved for those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so, looking at those things, um, I, I want to be careful here, and I, and I, I didn't. And I didn't have time to get into this and make it as nuanced as I wanted to. Um, because we might read that and say, okay, that person is going to live a good life and his descendants will inherit the land. David says that, right? David also says that, um, you know, uh, he's going to, like I said, he'll pull his feet out of the snare and he'll reveal his covenant to them. But people might get tripped up on verse uh, 13 there and say, Oh, okay, so if I'm a Christian, if I'm one who fears the Lord, God's going to show me the way I should go, and it's going to lead me to prosperity, right? Mm. And I don't want people to walk away thinking that. I wanted to be careful not to, 
to, to make a distinction, and I didn't, I ran out of time, or didn't really have time to get into this. But I don't think when he says he will live a good life and his descendants will inherit the land that he's necessarily talking about material prosperity. Does that make sense? Right. I would probably say it's like in the eyes of God, like a good light. You're in obedience to me. That's good. Kind of like having a God perspective on that. Not like a materialistic, like you were saying, not like a materialistic right. mindset. And I think I think one of the things I brought up is that it's these are heavenly blessings, right? Yeah. These are going to be spiritual blessings, not material necessarily. Not to say that the person who fears the Lord, the person who puts their trust in Christ, is going to live a horrible life in this life. Because Jesus said, I've come so they may have life and have it in abundance. And I think that that doesn't mean, okay, well, i got to wait till I'm in heaven before I actually have joy in this life. I mean, do you think it's possible to, to, to experience joy and experience a good life in this life? Um, you know, can, can you have, is it okay to have that or is, or is that wrong? It's funny you should miss, mention goodness and joy because those are both uh, fruits of the Spirit. Mm. So those who possess the Spirit, right, those are fruits or byproducts of being a Christian. But I think it goes back to that like if we feel like we have this God-sized hole in our heart and only God can fill it, then then the definition of success and joy and goodness only comes once we place our faith and trust. Everyone else will still be seeking those things. They'll be seeking joy. They'll be seeking a good life. And the, the uh, they'll inherit the land. I mean, that's heaven, right? Like that's not, I'm going to get my own house. Or... <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and two, when you think about uh, prosperity, a lot of people attribute prosperity with happiness, you know, the pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but joy comes even if you're not happy. So yeah, I could be joyful right. and sad at the same time, but I cannot be happy and sad at the same time. Sure. I can be joyful and, uh, uh, you know, in, in the midst of an angry situation, I can still have joy. You know, mm-hmm. but I can't be happy and angry at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so 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 for us, then the joy is something bigger than the happiness, which is based on our circumstance. So then, if I'm doing all these things, thinking, "Well, I'm not happy. I'm, I'm not getting my success, my prosperity. This is not working for me." Mm-hmm. Then it's it's on the wrong focus. But if it's on God and His joyfulness, then. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I, I could be in Haiti right now as a Christian in the midst of everything going on there and still have joy, the joy of the Lord. And I'm not going to have a lot of prosperity and material things. Mm-hmm. But if I'm a believer in God, then I have that joy in my heart. And um, and so that's the way we need to look at it in, in America, too. I think, I think most of our focus is based on happiness instead of joy. I agree. And uh, joy only comes, like Jeremiah said, as a fruit of the Spirit. It's something yeah. that we just can't create ourselves. It has to come from God yeah. working in us and through well, us. Well, and, and I think I think something you said there, too, is really important, is that we have to um, we have to allow God to define what success is. And, and, and I think what we can't let our country or our culture define success for us because that's... That's not the goal of the, of the life of, a, of one who fears God, right? Um, the goal, and I think as long as you're allowing the country or your culture to define success, what you're going to do is you're going to do those things that are, because everybody wants to be successful. So you're going to do those things 
that are going to be in line with that version of success, that sort of thinking will prevent you from making sacrifices. It'll prevent you from from going to places that God might send you, all because you will want to you don't want to give up the idea of success. If I, in fact, I think there are some people probably who don't pursue a career in ministry simply because it's not a successful career mm-hmm. in terms of our culture. And, you know, I, I remember a guy, a story of a guy uh, I was in church with once. And he had come forward, a young man came forward to announce his call to ministry. We had a Bible college nearby, and um, our, our senior pastor had come up to, to this young man's father and said, Hey, um, uh, you know, wanted to talk to you about maybe getting this young man into into the Bible college and and would like to come have him come take a visit and stuff and all this. And the guy's like, oh yeah, he's not going to go there. He's like, well, he's announced this call to ministry. He says, yeah, but he's got to be able to make money. <laughs> and so and yeah. so like like so in 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 that father's attitude about that actually prevented this young man from going to a Bible college and the guy never pursued ministry. Yeah, like, which he didn't is pursue the, his yeah. call because again, success is allowed to be defined by the culture rather than rather than God. And I think that's the difference. And you know, the, the sad thing about that is just a generation before the people and that that ran the mission boards and the mission groups would actually go to campuses and they would actually pursue uh, the brightest Students like Jim Elliott and people like that to convince them why, you know, why give your life to this American dream? Why don't you go and pursue, you know, the kingdom? Yeah. Which, and then that, that was a more honorable thing to do, you know. Mm. Now the more honorable thing is to, you know, to have a startup and be a billionaire every time you're 35. Right. You know, fly your own spaceship. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so it's kind of like everything kind of got flipped. And I think maybe, you know, we, I know the prosperity gospel gets a big, big, um, you know, thumbs down from us, of course, but maybe some of that stuff started seeping in, you know, um, generations ago where all of a sudden um, we went from being joyful to, to, to turn into, to pursuing happiness right, yeah. more than pursuing joy. Yeah. And no, so I would I rather pursue joy. I want to pursue happiness too. Don't get me wrong. I want to be happy, but I'd much rather be joyful. Yeah. And I think it's I think doing kingdom work will give you joy. It can be hard sometimes. It mm-hmm. can make you down and out sometimes, but you're going to have a lot of joy. Like, sure. Um, I mean, to be honest, like we had a kid get saved this year. Like, I'll take that any day. Like, that gives me more joy than somebody giving me a $300 paycheck, you yeah. know. Don't get any ideas, Jeff. That's, uh, but, <laughs> You're not going to get uh, any ideas like, from me. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, and, like, getting to have gospel conversation with kids, like, this weekend at camp, seeing them, like, talk about how they want to bring friends next year, things like that. That That's so much more fulfilling than... But but I but I'll be but I'll be completely transparent here yeah. and just say there have been many times for me when I look at what I do and it's what I do is is uh, you know as a as a pastor and stuff is not lucrative um, it you know my wife certainly makes more money than I do um, and then I look and I think man I'm not doing enough I'm not I'm I'm just not 
you know, and I feel less than because because I allow again I allow the culture to define success for me, right. and I think to myself, man, I could be doing so much better for myself than what I'm doing, um, and that's the wrong way of thinking. But it's 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 a way of thinking that sort of gets in your head because we do live in this culture, right? And in, and and you feel like you're being met you. You, you are being measured by your culture, but what you have to understand and know is that the measurement of your creator is more important than the measurement of your culture. That's right. Does that make sense? You, do, you, do you feel that tension at all, by the way, Jeremiah? I mean, you and I, I, I don't know if you feel it or not. Yeah, I do, obviously. I mean, my wife, I got two jobs. She still makes more money than me. <laughs> but, um, I think the problem is, is whatever, how do you define success, right? It, it's going to shape what how, how you pursue things, like your goals, your motivation. Yeah. And so I know I keep going back to this God-sized hole, right? And so instead of, instead of allowing God to fill the hole, you try to get all these things that we're saying God will give you, mm-hmm. and you put those things in the hole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You put joy in the hole, right? And right. Begins, you can begin pursuing joy. And, and it's just like... Or money. You put money in the hole because God's going to give me money, right? And right. that's a good thing. I want to pursue what God wants for me. And he's like, no, I fill me. Like, trust in me. I, right. I want to fill the hole in your heart. And maybe yeah. I'm a little bit of a Christian hedonist, but I just feel like that that the greatest pleasure for us and the intended pleasure for us is God himself right. and God and his glory. Was John Piper who said yeah. that, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that idea of Christian hedonism, that... Uh, that we're our, our greatest pleasure is in Him. Well, one other thing I wanted to I wanted to to say about this psalm before we leave it, and it's the last two verses, and I didn't get into them, oh, yeah. uh, which are really great. But David closes his prayer with first he says, "May integrity and what is right watch over me, for I wait for you." Mm-hmm. Three times in this psalm, he's going to talk about waiting for God. At mm-hmm. least three, he talks about waiting for God. Um, we'll have to use another podcast some other time to talk about what it means to wait on God. Uh, I think there's a lot of discussion to be had there too. But where I really want to look at is this whole psalm is about I, right, and me and you. But then look what he says in verse 22. God redeem Israel from all its distresses. And I wish I had had time to, to, to touch that, but I didn't. And to me, David takes this this individualistic perspective, right? And says, okay, if this is good for me, God, do the same thing you're, I'm asking you to do for me. Do it for them, yes, right? Do it for them. And I think that's the real, I mean, that, that's the goal, isn't it? It's like, it's not just, I, I have to look and go, I'm not the only one in the maze. <laughs> right. I'm not the only one that's stuck here. Like all the rest of humanity is too. They're just as distressed as I am. And so, God, what you would do for me, please do for them, and help me help help me to help them realize you've already done it for them. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I, I I didn't touch that yesterday. I wish I had. I I, I you know, but that's the such is the life of a pastor, right? A little, yeah. little life of a preacher. You there's so much that's left on the table that you don't get a chance to get into. All right, well, guys, um, we're gonna close this out here. Uh, I think next Sunday, um, our, our next Monday main point will be uh, focused on probably the kids talk, the, the, the kids camp, and yeah. the kids ministry. We're going to be hearing 
a ministry uh, or a camp report on this coming Sunday, and then we'll kind of talk a little bit about uh, what you guys learned at camp and discuss that because I mean, you might think, well, what am I going to learn from my, from my kids' camp? You know, what am I going to learn from what they taught kids? And I would say to you, probably a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, there's like at kids' camp, they tell you truth in simple ways. Yeah, but it's really important, at least for me, to hear that simple truth a lot of times and and i can expound on that in my personal obedience so yeah. i invite you to come out i think it's going to be great and at the end of the day i mean you'll see kids who are talking about what god did in their lives yeah and things like that and there's no greater blessing than a kid's for a kid's pastor and I, and it really should be for a church too to see how god's working through the lives of the kids yeah so come absolutely. on out it's going to be fun and yeah it's going to be a lot of fun yeah and you know to 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 close out there i mean Truth, even even simple truth, is still truth and it's still right. still good. So, all right, that's gonna do it for today. Thanks so much for tuning in, and uh, let us know your thoughts. Um, feel free to email us. Uh, send us an email to rosbcpastors. It's with an S on the end there at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you if you're enjoying these uh, talks and if there's topics you'd like for us to touch on, questions you have, uh, then please let us know. All right. Well, until the next one, uh, we'll uh, we'll see you the next time. Right? That's a horrible sign off. So anyway, <laughs> I'll just stop right there. <laughs> it's Monday. So long.